Hi Dr. Imran, this is Nadia from zenonco.io and it is an honor to have you with us today on today's knowledge sharing session. To introduce zenonco.io and Love Heals Cancer, we guide cancer patients in their treatment journey with an integrative oncological treatment approach. And today's session is going to be all about spreading that awareness and educating cancer patients all around. Doctor, let me take this opportunity to introduce you. Dr. Imran is has done his MBBS and DNB in general surgery and surgical gastroenterology. He has more than 10 years of experience in the field of surgery and surgical gastroenterology. He specializes in the management of complex diseases of the abdomen, GI, that is gastrointestine, and HPB surgeries, GI cancers, and liver transplants. He is proficient in also performing minimal access and advanced laparoscopic surgeries as well. Doctor, we are so happy and so glad to have you in today's session. You have taken the time out from your busy schedule to be with us, and it is an honor really to be talking to you, Doctor. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for the brief introduction. And I'm really happy to come on this platform to share the knowledge, which will benefit for the patients. Thank you. Thank so much. you so much. Thank you, doctor. Shall we go into the Q&A session? Surely. Yes. Right. So my first question to you, doctor, um, when it comes to the treatment of uh, GI intestinal cancer, what are your knowledgeable insights on how we can treat the patient so that the outcome is at its best? So first of all, when we talk of a cancer, we always uh, talk about stage, you know, uh, because the stage of a cancer which uh, uh, governs the prognosis as well as the survival. So it is very imperative and important to diagnose them in an early stage. Uh, now, gastrointestinal cancers, um, it's, a, it's a very big branch because uh, there are many organs involved. Uh, primarily, it starts from the, the esophagus, which is a food pipe which connects uh, from your mouth to the stomach. Uh, esophageal cancers, they can be a gastric cancers. Gastric is a reservoir where the food goes into abdomen is the first part. From there, there will be a small intestine, which is a very long organ, the longest organ of a body, which is around uh, five to six meter length. Uh, then there will be a large intestine. After large intestine, there will be a rectum, that is a stool bag, and there will be an anal canal. Uh, so if you see, it's a pretty long track. And uh, the longer the track, the more the chances of uh, uh, getting diseases, you know. So these cancers are pretty common. Uh, the gastrointestinal cancers are pretty common. And if you see, uh, other than these luminals, this is, this is called as luminal cancer because they are involving gastrointestinal lumen. There are some solid organs also inside the abdomen like liver, pancreas, the biliary tree, retroperitoneum, vascular organs, so spleen. So there are many organs um, uh, in the abdomen uh, which can also have uh, cancers. So it's a really a, a big specialty uh, where many diseases are come under one umbrella. And uh, every disease uh, would... So it's a long organ uh, from the mouth uh, till the anal canal as well as the many solid organs in the abdomen. And so variety of cancers uh, are present in the abdomen and every cancer uh, would need a different kind of treatment. Nowadays, all treatment modalities are uh, divided into three main specialties like a surgery, can be a chemotherapy and can be radiation. And nowadays we practice something called as a multi-modality approach where we use all these specialties judiciously 
whenever needed singly or in combinations with the various things. So it is very important uh, to diagnose this cancer in an early stage. But the problem with the cancers, in basically GI cancers, is they don't produce symptoms. Okay, they remain asymptomatic. Uh, most of the time, symptoms are very, very, very vague. So uh, because patients tend to ignore uh, minor symptoms, and uh, normally uh, they end up in, a, in an advanced stage, the stage three or stage four. And that's what when they get severe symptoms, and then they come to the hospital. So it is very important uh, to diagnose them early to change the uh, prognosis. No? Right, doctor. So to change the prognosis, diagnosing early cannot be stressed even more than that, right? Right. right. And yes. you also mentioned it being uh, asymptomatic. Yes. And most of the time, patients reach to reach uh, y'all as doctors in the last stages. Yes, late stages. Yes. Yes. So what happens then? How, how is the best treatment outcome to be uh, addressed here? So what happens mostly if we look organ wise, uh, the few organs uh, produce symptoms pretty early. Uh, like you say, esophagus, a food pipe, because this is the only way the food goes down. The food is solid in the mouth and it gets stuck in the esophagus. And these patients uh, get something called as dysphagia. So dysphagia is a very early symptom. So these patients, um, we diagnose them early because uh, they have a symptom or maybe a rectal cancer. There can be a bleeding from the uh, bleeding from the anal canal or in the stools. So where these patients, um, we diagnose them early, but most of the cancers, as I told, uh, they have very non-specific symptoms. As simple as uh, the bloating, the gas formation, the distension, the acidity, you know. And these are this, this can happen to any one of us. And that's why we tend to ignore it. Second thing, uh, as the cancer advances, um, the symptoms may appear. And most of the patients who get the symptoms are either in stage 2, stage 3 or stage 4. And uh, these symptoms uh, we should not ignore. As soon as you get some symptoms for the cancers, most commonly can be a loss of appetite, can be a loss of weight. Very common symptom with the GI cancers. Various symptoms like bleeding from the stool, blood in the vomiting, dysphagia, not able to swallow, not able to eat, the food getting stuck or choked into the stomach, can be a jaundice, a rapidly progressing jaundice in a short duration, any lump in abdomen, anything which is sudden severe distension of abdomen. So these symptoms are very peculiar about cancers and we should not ignore them. As soon as we get these symptoms, uh, probably uh, we should consult a doctor and we should get it evaluated. They can be a non-specific symptom. It, it doesn't matter. You can just go to them, get it evaluated. There's nothing you can you can relax back. But definitely, if you if you miss the bus, uh, the prognosis will be different. So pay important or importance to your symptoms. Do not ignore them. Don't take it casually. And probably uh, that is, that is the key to go ahead. Definitely, doctor. Definitely, that is the key. Right. So speaking about uh, minimal access and advanced laparoscopic surgeries that you conduct, doctor, could you tell us how the procedure is taking place? So as you know, uh, uh, the medical field is changing. It is an evolving field. And in the last 20, 30 years, there have been a lot of changes happened in the cancer surgery. The way we do cancer surgery, the techniques have changed. Uh, definitely the new, new gadgets have come and uh, it has helped uh, to improve the treatment options. Uh, as well as uh, the prognosis and, of course, uh, the difficulties. 
So definitely uh, the newer options in traditionally we used to do open surgeries. In abdominal cancers, when we do open surgeries, the incision is to be very big incisions. Uh, we used to open abdomen, we used to have some 20, 30 centimeter long incision. And longer the incision, more the morbidity to patient. Morbidity means uh, the patient recovery. Because of the long incisions, patient used to be in the hospital for a longer time. They used to face a lot of pain problem, the wound problems like wound infection, wound discharges, they used to require dressings. So all these things are the, the challenges what we faced in olden time with the traditional open surgery. As we evolve, uh, the surgery has also evolved and newer techniques have come. The most important technique which has blessed a GI oncosurgeon is a laparoscopy. If you see laparoscopy is also called as minimal access surgery. What we do in minimal access surgery, we do not take a longer or long incisions. We put small, small holes and through which we put a laparoscope and instrument inside and we inflate the abdomen with the gas because abdomen is a big cavity. We do get a lot of space inside and with that uh, we perform uh, laparoscopic surgery. So inside surgery is the same what we do in open surgery. But only entry in the abdomen uh, we do with the very small incisions ports and they are really small. The difference uh, between the incision of open surgery and laparoscopic surgery make patient recover faster in laparoscopic surgery. Because normally a port side incision would be a five millimeter size. So if you, if you put three, four, five ports also, the incidence of five millimeter, five millimeter hardly makes cumulative 2.5 or three centimeter incision. Uh, but uh, traditional open surgery used to have 20, 25 long centimeter incisions and uh, they used to have a wound related problems. So again, there's a lot of myth uh, about this laparoscopic surgery in GI cancers. Uh, they think that uh, by laparoscopy, we cannot remove cancer completely, but no, the inside surgery, if you do laparoscopy or the open is the same. The outcomes are nearly same. Uh, only entry to the abdomen is different and so that uh, patient recovery is better with the laparoscopic surgery with the same outcome as the uh, open surgery. Right. right, 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 doctor. Okay. Coming to hep to pancreato bilary surgery surgeries. Doctor, yeah. how do we decide the procedure for that as well? So, uh, if you talk about the GI tract, as I discussed before, the GI tract has got two main components. One we call it as a luminal GI. Luminal GI means the food tract, the food tract from esophagus to the small intestine, large intestine, canal canal. This is a luminal. And there's something called as a solid organs, like I told about the liver, the pancreas, the biliary system, the spleen, and other organs. So when we talk about this liver, pancreas, and biliary, normally they are the secretory organs. What they secrete are the juices which helps for the digestion. So they are connected to the GI tract, like liver, which is one of the biggest organs of the body and which carries more than finite types of function. The liver produces the very important substance called bile which is a digestive juice and from the liver, a tube connect to the intestine. These digestive juices are secreted into the intestine and they help for digestion. Similarly, a pancreas is another organ. Commonly, we know pancreas which secretes the insulin and which controls our sugar, but it also secretes certain, certain enzymes which uh, help for digestion, which also connected to the intestine. So this liver, biliary system and the pancreas are also called as accessory organs of our gastrointestinal tract, which secretes something which helps for the 
digestion. Now HPB surgery, that is hepatopancreato biliary surgeon, is the is the surgeons who are are trained in the liver, pancreas, and biliary surgery. This is the latest and the most important uh, subspecialty of a super specialty. And in India, there are very few HPB qualified HPB surgeons um, uh, who are who are practicing uh, HPB cancer surgeries. Okay. Uh, if you if you talk about uh, the cancers of these uh, organs, uh, the primary the liver being the biggest organ, uh, we do get uh, the liver cancers, quite a good number of liver cancers. And um, liver is a fantastic organ. Liver is the only organ in the body which has got a capacity to regrow. Understand? Mm, right. So 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 for normally for us, um, we need around twenty five percent or thirty percent of a liver. Which is sufficient for our functioning. So up to seventy percent of a liver we can cut out if there's a cancer or if there's some problem. Understand? And twenty-five, thirty percent liver is definitely sufficient for us if we have a good blood supply to the liver and a good drainage to the liver. And after the surgery, if we, let's say if we remove sixty, seventy percent of a liver, the remaining twenty, thirty percent of a liver will be regrowing. To ninety percent, liver is a fantastic organ which has got capacity to regrow, and that exact reason it is possible uh, to do a liver transplant in a live transplant, uh, where a patient's family member uh, donate a part of a liver to the of a family member who has got a, a liver problem, liver failure, liver cirrhosis, or maybe a cancer. You know, so liver transplant is possible only because the liver regrows, and we need only twenty twenty five percent of a liver. So when we transplant this donated liver into the patient's body, uh, that liver also regrows to ninety percent, as well as the patient's liver who was donated also regrows. So liver has the unique organ uh, with the capacity to regrow. Now, uh, if the liver cancers uh, normally happens in the background of the disease called cirrhosis. Cirrhosis uh, means um, there are there are damage in the liver. The liver is like a spongy organ, which because of a recurrent infection like a viruses. or there are some other multiple pathologies where liver becomes hard structurally as well as liver functions deteriorate to a extent that they go in a end stage when we talk about the end stage that means the liver functions are so bad that they cannot perform our day to day activities the body functions and this particular group of patients uh, they require a liver transplant now uh, the cancers 90% of liver cancers Happen in patient in a background of liver cirrhosis. The liver is bad. Liver is hard. In that background, uh, there are chances that they produce a hepatocellular carcinoma, that is liver cancer. Now, if you see, uh, only ten percent of a patient who would have uh, liver cancer in a normal liver, there is no cirrhosis. So, of course, this particular ten percent of patients are rare, and if they come, uh, they would need uh, definitely a surgery. that can be either right liver section left liver section or any kind of major supramajor liver section without any need of transplant but if there is a liver tumor in a background of a cirrhosis then uh, there are two problems one is a cancer and second is a cirrhosis cirrhosis as i told that liver is unable to function is a daily activities so in this particular group of patient selected patient not all patient but the selected patient liver transplant is one surgery which can cure both which can also cure cirrhosis because the primary liver is not functioning and which has also got a tumor can be also cured by liver transplant because the liver transplant 
we remove that diseased liver which has got a tumor as well as cirrhosis and we put in a new liver either from a cadaver or from a donated from the family members this is about the uh, liver cancer uh, liver cancer uh, should be performed in uh, definitely a stb unit uh, where all the facilities are available uh, the most important thing in liver uh, as a surgery is the is the operation theater and post operative icu which should be uh, well equipped with a lot of gadgets monitors so definitely these surgeries are not possible at smaller centers we have to perform in a big tertiary care unit now coming to the biliary cancers biliary cancers are normally are very close to liver cancers because liver has inside the liver uh, there are tuft of uh, biliary trees that means these bile ducts uh, which are inside the liver like blood vessels are going into the liver there are the bile ducts uh, which are inside the liver and all these bile ducts come take the bile from the liver and they come to the gallbladder and from gallbladder they come to the intestine so if you see um, gallbladder cancer or um, uh, biliary type of cancer which are coming close to the liver they would need uh, some kind of a liver resections so the biliary system which is connecting liver to the intestine to the pancreas so they are all are related to each other so the biliary cancers which are close to the liver would need some kind of a liver resection uh, for their treatment and the biliary cancers which are at the lower end close to the pancreas would need the pancreatic resections along with the bile duct so this is the intermediate uh, system which connects liver to the pancreas to the intestine okay right doctor right now third is the pancreatic cancer now pancreatic cancers are uh, also very common uh, commonly the head of the pancreas cancers are very common and again uh, these cancers are normally uh, diagnosed um, uh, in later stages uh, because of the patient don't get symptom the most common symptom of the pancreatic cancer would be a jaundice a rapidly progressing painless jaundice it is a very very important symptoms and as soon as the patient gets the jaundice we should evaluate for uh, this kind of diseases along with that they do have a loss of appetite loss of weight itching uh, black color stool multiple symptoms they produce and um, uh, head pancreatic cancers uh, generally if they are operable they would need something called as repulse surgery which is a big surgery where we uh, remove uh, head of the pancreas as well as few other organs like the biliary tree gall bladder a part of a small intestine and a part of a stomach after this surgery we do many reconstructions to connect the stomach connect the biliary tree as well as connect the intestine to each other a sweets kind of a supramajor surgery uh, but at hpb unit we commonly perform this kind of pancreatic biliary and liver surgeries right doctor that was so informative there's so many things that i also did not know well wow. right doctor so uh, coming to colorectal cancers doctor how can they be treated colorectal cancers so as i told you uh, nowadays um, the treatment is depend on the diagnosis and you have to diagnose them early uh, but colorectal cancers are one of the better type of cancers uh, if you if you compare them with the pancreatic cancers or the esophageal cancer gastric cancers the colorectal cancers are better type of cancers uh, better in terms of their survival Uh, they do have a better survival there are better chemotherapies available uh, so that patient generally have got a, a good life if we diagnose them early their recurrences are late as compared to the pancreatic or esophageal cancers too so uh, when we talk about treatment of a colorectal cancers uh, traditionally we used to do uh, open surgery 
with which to remove that particular part of a, a colon or the rectum right and uh, we would we would do uh, reconstruct that means joining the uh, this is the part of the intestine uh, most important thing in these patients would be uh, to stage them first staging means what staging means as i told you whenever we uh, diagnose cancer we would stage them before treatment because all the treatment is a stage based in a colorectal cancer uh, the diagnosis happens when we do a colonoscopy that is a kind of an endoscopy through our uh, anal canal which goes to large intestine and we do take a biopsy and we diagnose them in an elective scenario generally some patients may end up in emergency like massive bleeding from the rectum or there can be a intestinal obstruction so in these patients we diagnose them on a ct scan also because in emergency situation we don't have time to do a endoscopy endoscopy to be done in elective patients as soon as we diagnose them we need to stage them that it is in which stage so a good ct scan of a chest abdomen and pelvis would stage them that they are in which stage and of course surgery is a mainstay of a treatment if patient is operable if patient is stage 1 2 or 3 in a colonic cancers definitely surgery is the mainstay of a treatment traditional old surgeries used to do by a long open incision where we would remove the part of large intestine colon and uh, we would uh, uh, we would join them primarily okay right doctor. but uh, but uh, nowadays uh, we do all these surgeries uh, uh, laparoscopically and so incision is very small we put keyhole incisions to which we perform laparoscopic surgery the dilemma uh, was uh, till 2000 2005 uh, there was a lot of uh, glitch about this laparoscopic surgery especially in cancer scenario and especially in colorectal cancer scenario because people were uh, not trained that time in laparoscopic surgery so they were quite a hesitant to perform uh, laparoscopic surgery in the cancer uh there would be a incomplete job the whole cancer would not resect and so they would have a early recurrences but uh, as i told you the science evolved the practice evolved and now we have uh, mastered ourselves uh, uh, to perform laparoscopic surgery in colorectal cancers and it has been proven by various studies and trials that laparoscopic surgery is now a standard of care for the colorectal cancer but this all holds true for the colonic cancers rectal cancers behave little differently than the colonic cancers rectal cancers uh, uh, do have some local recurrences if, if you see the rectum rectum is a stool bag which is deep down into the pelvis and it is closely adherent to the in the females vagina as well as the uterus and in the males there is a urinary bladder that is urine bag so sometimes these patients in rectal cancers do have a tendency to spread to the surrounding organs so uh, as we do a normal staging we see them if patient in the stage 1 stage 2 of rectal cancers uh, we do anterior surgery that means we first do surgery and depend on the situation they may go for the chemotherapy plus or minus radiation but if you see the rectal cancers are locally advanced if they are adherent to the bladder or the uterus or there may be some nodes around uh, then ideally this patient should undergo a new adjuvant chemoradiotherapy what is this new adjuvant chemotherapy means here our intention of a treatment is to cure the patient but before surgery we give them chemotherapy as well as radiation to the local area and after that treatment we take patient for surgery maybe after 4 to 6 weeks later what is this means that this gives us a liberty 
to have a alzheo resection that means with the help of giving chemo and radiation before surgery uh, we can able to remove the tumor all around because this is a small space and the tumor spreads in lateral areas very fast so uh, we sterilize them by giving the chemo and radiation before surgery so that we can be able to remove whole tumor without any residual microscopic disease behind and that improves the patient survival as well as the local recurrence rate so yes uh, laparoscopic surgery uh, is a boon nowadays because difficult surgery deep in the pelvis for the rectum is very difficult by open surgery uh, and laparoscopy it is very easy because of uh, the gadgets because of the vision being very good it is very comforting the newer trend nowadays have come uh, to do a robotic surgery mm-hmm. now uh, as in olden time we used to do uh, open surgery then we moved to laparoscopic surgery now the new gadget is a robotic surgery a lot of data new data is coming for the robotic surgery in the rectum because as i told you rectum is deep down in the pelvis and there are chances of uh, local infiltration and robotic surgery it is very comforting for the surgeon the precision is very high and the results are definitely will be very good but you know too early to say that the robotic surgery is standard of care in absence of many trials there are no very good trials available up till now Uh, to say that the robotic surgery is a standard of care but definitely robotic surgery has got a future in the colorectal cancer and soon uh, it will compete with the laparoscopic surgery yes doctor definitely because co- laparoscopic surgery is all the one that came in the beginning and robotic came much later so mm-hmm. trials are yet to reach there there yeah very true yes 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 so lot lot of trials have uh, have shown the uh, precision as well as um, uh, the good surgical margins uh, they have proven that it is not inferior uh, to the laparoscopic surgery open surgery but yes uh, there are yet many studies uh, yet to come and uh, they have to prove their metal maybe in few years it will become standard of care we can always hope yes, <laughs> yes. so also sir talking as a gi surgeon from your perspective the what is the main difference between uh, the upper gastrointestinal and lower gastrointestinal cancers that happen okay. what do you differentiate so, both so uh, if you talk about the gi tract as i discussed upper gi means the esophagus that is the food pipe from mouth to the stomach the stomach and the first part of a small intestine that is we called as a, a duodenum so this this qualifies to be a upper gi luminal cancers okay yes. the lower gi cancers are exactly what we spoke just now they are the colorectal cancers anal canal cancers so these are these are lower gi cancers and as i told you just now uh, the upper gi cancers are more malignant they are more aggressive than the lower gi cancers so this is the this is the basic difference presenting on the site where they are and um, they do have a different prognosis they do have their different symptoms uh, their different uh, prognosis and different treatment modality options are also available for them upper gi cancers uh, generally diagnosed by doing upper gi endoscopy where we do endoscopy through the mouth and which goes up to the first part of small intestine and whenever you see the lesion we may take a biopsy from there and we can confirm that sometimes this patient can present in acute emergency like as a dysphagia can be a upper gi bleed that means vomiting of a blood or maybe some other symptoms like not able to uh, push the food down 
upper abdominal bloating distension and vomiting you know uh, lower gi uh, cancers are generally present with increasing constipation or altered bowel habits the bleeding from the stools or uh, there can be uh, some sort of uh, obstruction like sudden distension and vomiting no so so they so they are different yes doctor the difference is what makes the treatment modalities also different as in when yes. the upper gi tract and the lower gi tract um the causes are also different could you talk to us about more a few causes for each of them so most of the time uh, the cancers are the uh, we don't know the causes but yeah very few cancers um, we know the causes like there's been a lot of association has been proven with certain agents to the cancers for example alcohol and the liver disease or the liver cancer it has been proven that alcohol leads to the liver damage we call it cirrhosis of a liver and in a cirrhotic patient of course there is a very high incidence or chances of getting a liver cancer so alcohol is one of the most important reason uh, of getting liver cirrhosis and liver cirrhosis is the most important reason for the liver cancer other than that alcohol intake also leads to the cancer of esophagus as well as the stomach so these are again two major organs which are affected by the alcohol intake Uh, the smoking smoking is being a very big factor for the pancreatic cancer come in the head pancreatic masses most of the patients are smoker and smoking being a, a very big risk factor other than that um, our diet because since we talk about the luminal cancers what kind of a diet or what type of a diet we eat the diet rich in animal fat uh, which which is which is a very common cause of uh, uh, colorectal cancers you know and sometimes uh, gastric cancers also the fried food the junk food the food with the has got lot of minerals the food which are smoked uh, so these are these are these are few uh, relative causes of uh, getting esophageal gastric cancers or the colonic cancers okay uh, in the <coughs> in the gallbladder cancers sometimes uh, the association of a gallbladder stone in the gallbladder cancers sometimes the association of a gallbladder stone with the gallbladder cancer malignancy has been shown but it is not uh, proven to be a predisposing factors so as i said commonly the tobacco chewing the alcohol uh, smoking and the kind of a diet these are major risk factors for this kind of gi cancers yes doctor um talking about a rare case cancer within the gi tract uh, if you say small intestinal cancers are very rare uh, could you share about the small intestinal cancers so um small intestine being the longest part of a gi tract it is almost 4 to 5 meter long and uh, uh, though it is such a long can uh, tract the cancers of small intestines are very very rare uh if you see the incidence of overall gi cancers the small intestine cancers would be around somewhere around 5% to 7% not more than that so first and most important thing they are uh, very rare second thing they are diagnosed late because in the small intestine cancers generally do not produce much symptoms small intestine being a long organ uh, it doesn't produce much symptoms upper gi cancers or lower gi cancers do have a lot of symptoms early symptoms and we tend to evaluate them and that's why we diagnose them early but small intestine cancers because there is no specific symptom uh, it's very really difficult to diagnose them early and most of the time they are aggressive and we diagnose them in the advanced stage the most important caveat where we cannot diagnose them uh, early is 
um, there is no endoscopy which we can do and diagnose them early. Like upper G endoscope goes to the esophagus, stomach, and just a fast part of a small intestine. The colonoscope, which goes from below, is majorly sees the rectum as well as the large intestine and very small part of our terminal small intestine. Most of the small intestines, uh, we can't do scopy. The scopies are not easily available. So uh, we don't uh, diagnose them early. Also, they being aggressive, most of them are presented with the advanced stage and like a stage four, the treatment options are uh, less. But let's say if they have symptoms like intestinal obstruction or the bleeding, and uh, we tend to get the CT scan for evaluation and we diagnose them. If we diagnose them, uh, again, we stage them by doing a CT scan of a chest, abdominal, pelvis. And if they are operable, best thing to get the operation by 10 centimeter margin of the intestine and do the primary anastomosis. Uh, they are no, since they are rare, there are no much studies available on the small intestine cancers, the what kind of chemotherapy or what kind of treatment model options are available. So what we extrapolate from the large intestine cancers, we try to use them in a small intestinal cancers. But yes, they are rare, they are aggressive, and they generally diagnose late. So their prognosis is not very good. Right, doctor. So that makes it a challenge if a person or patient comes up to you with a small intestinal uh, cancer. It makes it very challenging to go forth with the right treatment out approach for them, is it? I think so. I think so. Challenge is um, diagnose them early. Once we diagnose them early, and if they are operable, surgery is straightforward. Normally, normally surgery for the small intestinal cancers are not very difficult. The laparoscopy or robotic is easily possible. So challenge is to pick them up early. Uh, and uh, surgery is not very difficult for them. Yes, sir. Other than the laparoscopy and robotic surgery procedures, um, related to understanding the whole of uh, the GI tract, what other types of procedures could we take as a treatment for the patient? So there are some endoscopic procedures are available for very early cancers. Let's say, the, let's say the cancers are in the polyps. Polyps are the precancerous regions which occur in GI tract, mainly in the stomach and the large intestine, rectum, colon. So where, where we can, where we can uh, uh, diagnose them by doing the endoscopy or the colonoscopy and we take them a biopsy. Once biopsy show that it is a very early cancer or maybe carcinoma in situ, that means the cancer had just started developing. We stage them, we do a CT scan, we look them that they have spread beyond uh, the wall of the intestine or no. If they are favorable, they are not spread outside the wall of intestine, then it is possible to resect them endoscopically. So there are few early cancers in the esophagus, stomach, colon, or the rectum. We can remove them endoscopically, preferably call them as endoscopic submucosal resection or submucosal resections. But we have to choose this patient very carefully uh, they have to be very early stage cancers. They have to be well differentiated cancers. Not each and every luminal lesion will go for the endoscopic uh, treatment for cancer. Right, doctor. Right. And uh, my final question to you, how do you think uh, zenonco.io is helping with the betterment and better outcome of the patient and trying to reach the patient as early as possible with their queries and reach? So, I am very happy with the with the work what Zenonco is doing because it is very important uh, to spread the awareness uh, about the cancers uh, in the population. People are misguided by various information available online. Uh, they are very scared. 
uh, whenever I always say this, whenever the cancer happen, cancer doesn't happen to one person. It always happens to family. They affect the family, and family uh, are desperate to get the right treatment. It is very important uh, to reach out to a right doctor. If a right patient goes to a right doctor, uh, most of the problems uh, will be solved. And Zenonko is doing a, a fantastic job by doing this uh, kind of activities where the awareness has been spread. Uh, they are also helping uh, with the logistic to arrange them with the medical oncologist or surgical oncologist. They are also um, doing a great job uh, in the nutrition of onco patients. So various kind of um, cancer activities they are doing. And I'm extremely proud and happy uh, to be associated with them for these activities. Thank you so much, Doctor. Thank you so much, Doctor Imran. On behalf of Zen thank Onco you, and Love Zen Onco .io and Love Heals Cancer, I want to thank you. A uh, lot thank of you, queries answered. I'm pretty sure all our viewers have had a lot of information being passed on to them. And thank you so much for taking the time. In your very busy schedule, you have taken the time to be with us here. Thank you so much, Doctor. Thank you. Thank you so much for connecting. Just the last message uh, I want to give it to the viewers. Uh, don't worry about the cancer. Uh, nowadays, the treatment options and modalities are varied. And uh, definitely, if we come to a right doctor, um, the diagnosis early and the treatment modality options will really help to change the prognosis. The cancer, uh, we have to defeat together. Unless uh, we get help from our patient in defeating cancer, we won't be able to defeat them. So please, please, please uh, take the help of your doctors at earliest without any scare. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That was such a sweet message. Thank you so much, doctor. Thank, thank, you. thank, thank, thank you. Have a good day, evening. You too.